What is consciousness? Today I'm going to discuss a topic that's quite ambitious, uh, quite complex. I can't really resolve it in one podcast, but I can offer some insight coming from an article in Aeon Magazine. This article is by um, Carl Friston. He is a physicist and a psychiatrist. And he has a certain view on the nature of consciousness. And specifically, he's trying to explain the bridge by which we pass from uh, natural causation that is not purposive. So just uh, A causes B to purposive and teleological causation. So you get A occurs so that you get B. All right, so in nature, we have these blind mechanistic processes. Uh, B is a consequence of A, but not through any kind of intentionality or through uh, a goal. It just occurs. B just follows from A automatically without any kind of intention behind it. But then we have this phenomenon of consciousness, which is seems like a different order altogether, where we don't have just B happening, but a conscious being willing that B happens, using A as a means to get to B. And B is not just this fallout from a mechanical and blind process. So how do you uh, establish a bridge from blind mechanical processes to teleological so that, or in order to processes, purposive prophecy, processes? Friston, uh, I don't really agree with his view. He's trying to establish a naturalistic view. He wants to uh, have reality be rooted in the physical world and consciousness is not an anomaly but flows out from the physical world so he has a reductionist account of consciousness that doesn't establish it as a separate substance but makes it emerge from blind matter blind non-sentient non-conscious matter and also matter that is non-teleological excuse me article is called The Mathematics of Mind Time. One of the things that's going to define consciousness is this strong sense of temporality, okay, where we get these different gradations of more and more sophisticated levels of consciousness, and the level of sophistication is proportional to the thickness of the sense of temporality. To what extent you can retain uh, and expand on your sense of time from the present moment to future projections and past memories. All right, so again, this guy Friston is a psychiatrist and a physicist. He's going to have some very interesting uh, views on how to apply his understand- understanding of consciousness to psychiatric disorders. All right, so like hallucinations, um, 
or failing to recognize certain things, like maybe like an autistic person who can't really pick up on social cues. How is this to be explained in terms of a theory of consciousness? All right, so consciousness is not really a thing. Um, Friston wants to break away from thinking in terms of things. He wants to think in terms of more processes and things are actually a, an illusion. In fact, nature is a series of processes. Things are changing, things are moving. There aren't these stable, discrete, um, unitary things. There's a process that's continually flowing. So consciousness is a kind of process. Um, like the evolution, uh, Fristen is very committed to evolution, the idea that we're a product of uh, the evolution of lower animal forms. All right. So consciousness is a process, not a thing. It's like evolution or the weather. So these are processes. These are, these are changing series of events, not stable uh, things. Um, what is evolution for? Well, if you don't believe in God, if you just think that there's matter and the matter interacts in certain ways according to its structure, then evolution is not really for anything. It just happens. And the weather, the same thing, does not have this appointed purpose. It just happens. We can explain it, we can predict it, but we can't really assign a purpose for it. And in the same way for Friston, consciousness uh, lacks uh, a purpose or a what for. It just is there and we need to explain it. It doesn't have a certain kind of role or purpose. Um, so how do you get from um, mindless causes, this A causes B, it just happens. It's not something that's intended. It just, so I, I, I drop the pen, my fingers let go of the pen and it falls to the ground and this just occurs. It's not like um, the pen sought this or intended it. How do you go from mindless causes to mindful reasons? So the phenomenon of consciousness, we do have reasons and we plan and execute our plans based upon purposes. It's not like A causes B blindly. We seek B because of some uh, aim we have. Uh, so it's... Um, this gap, how do we get from the space of causes to the space of reasons? Well, first, first it mentions Darwin's dangerous idea. This dangerous idea of Darwin is that you can have design, you can have a structure that's um, functioning and interrelated. You can have design without a designer. So you can remove a designer, remove a god, and still get something that's constructed in an intelligent, intelligent way, something that is designed. You can have competence even in the absence of comprehension. So you can re remove God. This is the dangerous idea of Darwin. Remove God, but still have competence. So through natural selection, you can produce these elegantly designed beings that have capacity to resist threats in their environment and take advantage of certain opportunities through finely honed capacities. Okay, you can have design without this divine architect. 
That's the dangerous idea of Darwin. Friston embraces it. Um, natural selection performs the task of design refinement. How do species get more and more advanced? Well, those who do lack the special capacities to survive and compete die off. They can't reproduce. So those beings that are able to reproduce because of their whatever uh, capacity, whether it's sharp teeth or speed or high intelligence, they reproduce and pass on their genes. And this leads to steady transformations in the population, eventually leading up to human beings. Okay. So in studying consciousness, we're looking at a complex system. A complex system is greater than the sum of its parts. Okay, it's not this linear, simple system where you can determine determine the outcome of the system based upon just knowledge of the initial conditions. So say like you shoot a projectile, you can determine the outcome of the system, which is simple, based solely on the initial conditions of the system. But a complex system has these um, feedback loops. So you have the initial conditions, but also you have these uh, feedback loops of multiple variables. You have different possible states of these different variables with different specific coordinates along different axes. Okay, so you have like the weather, you have temperature, you have density, you have chemical composition. They all are uh, in different possible states. They have different um, values. Okay, and so it's this complex system that doesn't just um, evolve according to a linear progression. It actually interacts with itself over time. Uh, so you have what's called a Lyapunov function. And this is a function that tracks these complex variables um, that tracks how it, it evolves over time. So it's going to be very complex. It's going to have different values for different variables. You plug the values in, you get different outcomes as you play with the different aspects of the system. So uh, the Lyapunov function is like the topography of a mountain as water flows down it. Uh, the water is going to uh, change and uh, adjust its movement according to the kind of topography that it's encountering. Right? So this is the same. This is an analogy for a function that describes a complex system, like a body, where you're taking things in. Uh, the body is is reacting. Uh, the reactions of the body impact different systems in different ways. There's different possible states for each uh, variable. So you could be in a state of um, panic where your heart rate is very rapid. You could be in a state of a very uh, calm state. You know, it's it's all interacting and a very complex system. Um, the system is going to move towards greater and greater probability. So it's, it's going to settle down into this steady state where things are going to reach this level. So like a, a human body is going to get into a routine. It's like our biological clock. Right? So we start to eat at the same time, wake up at the same time, go to bed at the same time. Okay, the, you know, we get into routines and habits. This is what um, happens when a system gets into more and more probable states. Okay, so this seems to clash with the law of entropy, which says that everything should tend towards chaos. That we shouldn't get greater and greater organization, we should get instead more and more chaos. But it seems like these complex systems 
get into a groove. Well, they're not uh, chaotic, they're more um, stable. So what we have in the complex system are these so-called attractors. These are mutually reinforcing states that achieve a dynamic equilibrium. So your body, for example, attains homeostasis. Uh, It's going to continually adjust so it reaches this balance. And attractors are mutually reinforcing features of of the body or some other complex system that bring it down to this level of stability and um, stable organization. Okay, so the way system works is that it obtains evidence to uh, minimize surprise. All right, so it's like it's going to um, gather information about its surroundings in order to minimize surprise. So, you know, test out its surroundings and so that it can reach the stable level of continuity and, and patterns, all right? So it's this idea of um, gaining evidence and information and so as to reduce surprise that creates the bridge for Friston from mere existence that is blind and purposeless to purposive behavior, to teleology. All right, so what is a purpose? It's this effort to gain information and minimize surprise, minimize variability. That's what a purpose does, okay? Um, So inference is a process that is fundamental to a complex system. Inference uh, maximizes evidence about the world. So you go from A to B uh, inferentially. You infer from A to the reality of B and you, in this way, expand your evidence. Okay, and this is not necessarily a conscious process. It could be some kind of system like a virus where they um, gain evidence, so to speak. They test out, test out their environment. They experiment with their environment. It's a trial and error process. And the model of the world, the map of the surroundings of the world, uh, gets more complex and it's revised so as to be more encompassing. This inferential model develops that kind of tracks the causality of the world around it. So an attracting state has low surprise and high evidence. So you reach this heightened state where you have a good map of the world uh, and it's through your evidence that has been built up into a complex theory that can accommodate a lot of different scenarios. Okay, so that's um, a very purposive, self-aware human being. Um, has achieved the state of low surprise. They, they know how to get around. Things don't freak them out. Like, like a child is going to be surprised and is very, also very curious. You see a child, they're always walking around. Um, maybe they're scared of things that adults aren't scared of, like a, like a, a ghost or um, a boogeyman, because they don't have the model of reality that allows us to be comfortable and to understand what's going on. Now, even adults, we have this, uh, we can have problems where we, we do get surprised. We have information that we can't process, and this can create disturbances. All right, so this idea of inference is going to be the deflationary account of all complex systems. 
from consciousness to the weather to evolution, according to Friston, it's all about inference. It's all about this system interacting with its environment, getting a better and better map of the environment, and um, making inferences so as to reduce surprise and reach the state of homeostasis. Okay, so you have like evolution on a population of crabs. Okay, um, you have different kinds of crabs. You have crabs with sharp claws, crabs who can see better than other crabs, crabs who have strong shells that can resist predators. Well, each crab is like a hypothesis or a model about the environment. And over time, the population is going to try to model more and more um, with greater and greater approximation the nature of that environment. And um, this is a kind of inference where it's getting more and more sensitive to the environment, it's getting evidence, and it's minimizing surprise. So it fits more, more and more uh, fine in a more fine-tuned manner with its environment. Okay, um, so consciousness is like this evolutionary process. We are making inferences, we expand our map, we test out hypotheses and discard the ones that don't work, just like a population of crabs discards those crabs that, that can't survive. All right, and um, a virus is also a complex inferential system. It's, it's going to move around, play with its environment, respond and grow um, and uh, it uh, minimizes surprise and it gains evidence all right uh, now we're more complex our consciousness is very complex we're not as primitive as a virus what is it according to friston that makes our consciousness more complex well it's what he calls temporal thickness okay so we are not just living in the present moment we have a storehouse of knowledge and also an ability to predict the future. So we have an ability to uh, retain what we have experienced, have a knowledge of the past, and then use it to predict into the future. Because we have very good temporal thickness. All right, now that does not mean that we can't be disturbed. There can be things in our environment that we can't really account for, and it creates a disturbance. Or we're going to try to deny certain pieces of information that are going to really upset our whole system of, of inference and we might live in denial okay so people will, will reject certain very hard and painful truths that are going to blow up their whole system of belief we also have what's called uh, counterfactual depth counterfactuals are things that that could happen but don't happen they're possible states right so my name happens to be Dan it could have been John if my parents had made a different decision. That's a counterfactual. We have, an, as conscious human beings, we have a counterfactual depth. We can think about things that might happen. They're not happening now, but we can we can project them. And, and this is how we um, gain like a thick and sophisticated understanding of our environment through these counterfactual scenarios that we can uh, be aware of, even though they're not they're not actually happening. All right, so um, we epistemically forage. So just like a, an animal will forage in, in, in an environment or like a little roach will poke around looking for bits of food or for water, we will 
forage for knowledge. We're going to look for little pieces. I'm going to look, look for what's salient. Look for things that stick out. I'm not going to take in everything. We're going to look at certain certain very key pieces of information. Okay. Um, to um, it's not, we're, not, we're not just flooded with information. We look at certain specific things so we can achieve our goals in life. And uh, this is how we build our temporal thickness, build our court counterfactual depth, build up our inferences. And our purpose is to minimize surprise. We form a purpose. I want to go to the store so that we don't just walk outside and start randomly going every in every direction according to every single impulse. All right. So like, hey, there's a color. Hey, there's a smell. Hey, there's a sound. No, we go straight to the store. We minimize the surprise. We have an agenda. We have a things laid out in our mind. Um, so a virus is going to have a thin model of time because it doesn't it doesn't have a conscious um, awareness of its past and its future. It just reacts to its environment. Um, you could have uh, what's called chemotaxis, which is um, a tendency to move away or towards a certain uh, chemical. Um, so this is something that has been learned. It's something that um, comes from making an inference, from gathering evidence, from testing out hypotheses. Uh, a basic organism can do this where it's going to avoid that nasty chemical that has hurt its ancestors. Or maybe even it can learn as an individual to avoid that nasty chemical. All right. Um, now our temporal thickness is going to ebb and flow throughout the day. When we go to sleep, we lose the temporal thickness. We lose our consciousness. But as we wake up, you know, if you think about it, the first moments when you wake up, sometimes you forget what's going on in your life. And you're like, hey, what was I worried about? What was that thing that I was so worried about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That hits you, um, you know, a few minutes after you wake up. All right. So um, the temporal thickness is going to ebb and flow. And people have these, psychi these psychiatric disorders where they make a false inference. They're in this false state where they have a false model of the world. This could be like a, a hallucination or you could have a false negative where you fail to see something that's that's important. You fail to connect the dots in the um, uh, patterns around you. So people have these, um, they, they over infer, they maybe they think that's like um, uh, something is shooting, uh, you know, like so someone across the street is uh, reading your thoughts. It's like a paranoid uh, mindset where you think everyone is, is out to get you and the, the, the person who is just minding their own business is actually interested in stalking you and, and finding out about you. Um, or there could be a false negative where there's a disorder where we fail to assimilate information. We fail to synthesize it so that if like, if you're autistic, you might um, fail to pick up facial expressions, fail to pick up on social cues, fail to, fail to um, resolve ambiguous evidence um, and uh, respond inappropriately to your environment. All right, so this is a very interesting model. Um, I don't know if this is going to capture fully our consciousness because it seems like there is no free will here. Uh, there is no ability to 
um, oversee and guide the process in a self-determining way. So if this is agency, then it's uh, you know no different th- or, or, or uh, of the same kind as uh, uh, a system like a virus that doesn't have human agency. It can't decide what to do. It just kind of responds according to its inferential model. Right? So I don't think that we're just reducible to inferential models that test the hypotheses and just kind of reach a state state of stability. We can make a choice. We can um, introduce chaos into a system. Um, we're not going to be this um, just mechanical system that adjusts according to its own laws. We we have this creative power to introduce new sequences um, that's not reducible to just this um, plastic complex system that adjust according to these built-in laws. All right, so check out this article. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. Quite interesting stuff. Consciousness is a process, not a thing. It's an inferential model that minimizes surprise. There's some merit to it. So it's an interesting paradigm when you think about uh, your consciousness and, and that of other people. So thank you for listening and hope you enjoy it. <laughs>